fans, it's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness Podcast. Uh, Pete, let's go ahead and kick things off with some show news. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so Peter and I have been going back and forth, just kind of throwing ideas out for how to handle the offseason. And I think uh, for all of July and most of August, we're going to be releasing any episodes. Any episodes we release will be done on Wednesday. Um, they'll be recorded mostly based on if we have enough to discuss and it's worth spending. And if we, you know, if we have an hour or more to talk about, uh, the main reason obviously for moving it to Wednesday is that uh, most off season news is released on Mondays and in order to be most relevant and timely with our discussion, Tuesday evening recordings seem most reasonable. So that's how things are going to go. Uh, we don't know when we'll start uh, matriculating back, I would imagine, sometime in August, but we still haven't really gotten to that. I know that men's soccer starts on the 14th, uh, but I will be out of town that entire week. So, uh, And then my birthday is that Sunday. Or no, sorry, that's August. Never mind. Not my birthday. Uh, but, you know, I'll just be coming back from vacation, so not sure if we'll record that Sunday or, that Sunday or not. So, uh, Pete, I, I think, I think this is, you know how like soccer teams always debut, debut their new kits on the last game of the season. Right. I think we're going to debut our new look. So when you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, we've got a new look, uh, our new sponsor, uh, since, you know, in soccer, they had the, the new sponsor to the new Jersey. So we're going to, uh, we're going to have uh, our two men in a garden uh, overlay on this episode. So I'm excited about that. Um, but let's get into why people listen to us or watch us. Uh, men's basketball. Uh, we've got some scheduling news, Pete. Yeah, we've got a lot of scheduling news. And, and the biggest um, schedule news is that the A-10 released its matchups so this is not the dates those are still to be announced and and normally we get the schedule what late august early september um but what they did announce was was who our matchups would be and um and still got a pretty tough uh, pretty tough conference slate here um home and home games against dayton davidson loyola and vcu and then we'll have home games against LaSalle, saint bonaventure duquesne george mason rhode island and then we'll go on the road for one uh, games against richmond fordham umass st joe's and gw um so so zach what do you what do you think here i mean this looks pretty uh this looks like a pretty tough conference uh lineup for us yeah obviously i mean thank god we got davidson at least one time at home if they would if we would have had to go to belk again it's belk right belk arena yeah right. is that named after like belk like the the brand i believe so oh okay. yeah I, I never put two and two together uh, until just now, uh, I'm glad obviously that we've got Davidson at home. I'd prefer not to go to Belk arena though. Um, or Belk gymnasium. Cause it, that, that ain't an arena. You can call it what you want, <laughs> but it's not an arena. Um, I'm really excited about this Loyola home and home though. And, and we figured this would happen. So I think we were all mentally prepared and, and excited for, uh, taking a trip up to Chicago or over to Chicago in your case. Um, right. for that matchup. I, I like the home and home. I think it's a, it maximizes, uh, 
interplay between the top, uh, I'd say, five teams or projected five teams in the conference. I'm not really all that sure where Loyola is going to be. Um, road only, um, or well, I'll go with my home, uh, home only. I mean, it, it's good. I think George Mason might be the only, George Mason and LaSalle are probably the only two that really don't get me excited. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think maybe the average fan don't doesn't get excited either about those two. Uh, Duquesne, we always seem to have fun uh, matchups with. Dan Brott's an unlikable guy. Uh, so you have that kind of storyline in there. Uh, Bonaventure, obviously, I think if we were closer in geographic proximity, Bonaventure would be our biggest natural rival in this conference. So I'm glad we got that as a home game. And, of course, we don't have to travel to Olean. Right. Um, uh, you know, the other – the road only, I, I think uh, I'm a little worried about, you know, UMass on the road. Uh, but it's it's going to – I think that would be a quality game no matter what, given that uh, UMass has added Frank Martin. Uh, GW is GW. Uh, you know, w- Richmond's reloading, so might be able to uh, – Pick up a pseudo name win there, um, Pete. What about you? No, I, I think I think they're they're going to be tired of hearing me after I went on that. that no, not at all. I, I so so yeah. I mean, for getting back to your your point about not just wanting to go back to Davidson as a one off road game, um, we knew that with Loyola coming in, we couldn't count on like a flip of everything we did last season, right? Because for a while it seemed like if you played these teams at home more or less kind of rotated they might swap your home and homes occasionally um but with Loyola coming in that kind of changed how we had to schedule so that was naturally going to throw some things off I think going to the home and home pod here those I mean you that's a pretty strong argument that aside from SLU those are the top four other teams coming into the conference this year um at least I think it might get picked in some order uh, maybe sub out one. It, it just, I guess it depends on the, the poll you're going to look at, but Dayton has basically the exact same lineup just with them swapped for us, obviously. And then um, Davidson has Fordham instead of Loyola. VCU has Richmond instead of Loyola. Um, to me, this looks like the league telling Dayton and SLU, we think you're the best teams. We're going to give you the best possible chance at a stronger NCAA tournament profile. So, so don't blow it. Don't mess this up. Um, I, I, I would be so interested to know if that actually goes, if that has any, any bearing on anything or whether it's just uh, dates and times and like, yeah. Like, yeah, like, like it just it, happened to work out like that. Yeah. D- there's no way. Well, I think Dayton and Loyola are going to just be pretty close to permanent home and homes for us. I think it would be madness for them to, even if one or two of the three of us are having down seasons, I, they have to keep those three Western teams, especially the two that are in the different time zone, uh, SLU and Loyola. Dayton is the other team that's kind of out in the, the West of the conference, so to speak. Um, I think you, 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 you've got to keep those three teams together every year. So um, with SLU and Dayton being what looks like the top two teams coming into conference. Um, yeah, I guess that one works out in our favor, right? I mean, if, if Dayton was undergoing a coaching change or, or SLU was or whatever, um, maybe it wouldn't look like that. Um, but the fact that they also put VCU in there and Davidson in there, I don't know, that kind of makes me think like this is more 
you know, this, maybe the schools wanted this, maybe this is the, the league trying to be a little bit smarter about making sure it's a multi-bid league, a three-bid league. Is that um, fair, do we think? Uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you don't like it, no, you'd I mean, be better. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but is it, you know, is that it's almost like a, a wrestling promoter setting up. I mean, yeah. not, it's definitely not predetermined. Right. Um, but I mean, it feels like you're almost stacking. It's, it's like, uh, I don't even know what to like, what to compare it to, but it feels like stacking the deck if the conference is playing a game of cards against the other conferences. Does that make sense? They're not stacking the deck for a single team. They're more or less stacking the deck for success of the conference. Yeah, they're giving themselves every shot to to win the most, or, you know, to get as many tournament seeds as possible because that's how these conferences make money. I mean, like, like they it's in their best interest if SLU and Dayton both have the years you know, the kind of fringe top 25 team years that we're expected to have. And, you know, if they can get a third team, like if Dave, if Davidson turns out um, to be a little bit better than, than some people think, or if, if VCU is a marginally better than they were last year, um, or if one of the teams that had a coaching change has just the right mix of new players and transfers and can kind of uh, sneak in, which kind of brings me to another point here is we have, you know, we in Dayton have the hardest schedules in the conference based on, on, on last season's records and expectations of this year. Do you think this kind of opens things up for a sleeper team to kind of steal one of the top few spots here? Um, you know, I think obviously, uh, you know, the sexy pick will be uh, for sleeper will be George Mason. Um, you know, mm -hmm. people are super high on Kim English for no other reason that he's a young, energetic coach um, and apparently a great basketball mind, a, according to people that know uh, better uh, than than me, I guess. Um, well, I mean, I, he did have some big upsets, and he's got some guys coming back, some big players coming back. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, think, uh, I think Davidson, as much as they are a perennial um, deal, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how they do with the coaching change. As you mentioned, which I – I figure it's not even in our notes. We may have missed it, but Davidson is going through a coaching change. Yeah. You know? But I mean, it's, it's very much not really much of a transition. Right. Uh, the son, Matt is taking over for Bob. Um, and Matt's been the assist an assistant there for what, 14 years now. And he's, he's the uh, associate head coach. I think most people in Davidson think it's going to be a pretty seamless transition. Um, I, I think it's going, uh, the, the, it's going to be interesting to see how much he wants to kind of put his own stamp on things. And like, because as much as you learn under your dad and think he's great and, and see how he's had success at this really small, academically rigorous, very tough school to, to compete athletically, he's, he's been successful there. Um, to, to do it your, your own, well, you know, like he's, he's been sitting there watching his dad succeed there but he's probably got a few of his own ideas as well. You know, like there are probably things where he'd go, ah, I'd do that differently. I'd do that differently. And it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of, kind of manifests over time. But regardless, yes, Davidson lost three key players. Um, Is Hung Jung Lee coming back? 
No, he's gone. Okay. Whew. He's gone. Whew. Mike Mike Jones, the guy who shot who? the light. One of the guys who shot the last. <laughs> I, I'm so glad he's gone for that reason. And then um, uh, Luca Bro- Brockovich is gone as well. But they return Foster Lawyer. Um, they return kind of their like, you know, five through seven part of the rotation. They've got two really good transfers coming in. They've got a really good freshman coming in. I think they've kind of reloaded a little bit more than people realize. Like, I, th- I think Lee might be kind of the toughest one to replace there in terms of the personnel coming in and out. Um, but uh, I think Davidson's a, easily a top five team again. Yeah, I think I think I want to – my opinion on Davidson and the coaching changes how well – obviously, uh, McKillop will be able to recruit. The, the younger McKillop, but how well will he teach, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is where we, we're going to see uh, a potential drop or a potential elevation. Uh, you, yeah. you, I think that's the thing, because if he's still teaching his dad's system, you know, it, it, is he as good as his dad? Right. That's the question. Um, uh, what... The overall schedule is clearly now coming into focus for the Billikens. Um, and, and it's got me, it, it's getting those excited, you know, feelings uh, that, you know, it, it's coming soon. Where is this schedule? Uh, what's the schedule looking like? So I think we had discussed before, like we, we've known for a while that Memphis, Boise State, and Drake are coming in. I think Murray State and Evansville are both new additions to the home conference schedule since we last talked um i i think i or maybe we just you know didn't hit those those points that hard last time and then on the road we've got auburn iona we knew that carbondale uh we thought was going to be a road game that for a while it sounded like it was going to be a home game but now it's Stu durando reported that it would be a, a road game we knew about the neutral event where we play maryland and then either miami or providence so that really just gives us about five games to be announced, probably if two of which are going to be exhibitions. Uh, I think we would expect at least two of the regular season games to be by games at home, um, which which gets you to with the conference schedule that gets you to 18 home games, which is, you know, a full load for season ticket holders. So that that last game is kind of a wild card. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what they do with that because I'm, I'm fairly confident the other four will be two exhibitions and two by games. Uh, but overall, this is looking like a, a great schedule. Yeah, it, it. I mean, across all sports, it feels like uh, the coaches are putting together gauntlet schedules. Uh, that I mean, and and did did I hear that uh, Imani Bates may end up back at Memphis? Um, I I have not followed that. Uh, yeah, that, um, that yeah, I haven't either. I just saw I see tweets every now and again, but yeah. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll go check on that though. And, and um, some some good uh, you know opportunities for road trips too. Not not necessarily road trips, but trips on the road. Um, you know, yeah. That Auburn game, like we said, is going to be yeah. the weekend of the Iron Bowl, which will be in Tuscaloosa. Right, right. So so the game at Auburn won't be as as tough to uh, to get to, and that's on a Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, which I know is a big travel day, but you know, it's um, that's not the hardest trip um, from St. Louis Carbondale, even if that's a weeknight, you know, you're talking about a two hour drive each way there. Um, Iona, unfortunately is a, is a weeknight. 
um, which is a little north of New York City. Um, but if anybody's in the New York area, that's that's not too tough to get up there uh, in, in Westchester County. So I, th I think that those are all doable. And then you've got on a weekend, it's a Saturday, Sunday, I believe, that we would play Maryland and then either Miami or Providence at the Mohegan Sun thing. Um, whatever they're calling that event. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Um, let's talk a little bit of recruiting. Your wheelhouse, my weakness. Um, <laughs> 2023 offer went out uh, this past week. Uh, who is it? Yeah, this is Kennard Davis, um, a 6'6 wing out of Ashan, um, which is just uh, what a mile or two from Slew's campus. He plays his AAU ball for Mocan Elite, which is based in Kansas City. That's a big time program in the Nike EYBL circuit. Uh, most, most people who follow recruiting have heard of that by now. A lot of St. Louis kids have gone out that way to play for them lately um he's a really nice looking wing um loves to attack the basket he can shoot it from outside he's got some some versatility looks like a nice um player to build on a nice skill set to build on i should say he does have five other offers right now missouri state indiana state uic SEMO, western illinois um still feels like we're in a little bit on the early side here and um it seems like we're getting serious about the guys who are at vashon uh, currently, you know, like, like it seems like Vishon has kind of a, a, you know, a generational churn there. I mean, they, they've, I mean, obviously an incredible program and Davis is going to be a senior. He's already won two state titles there, um, average 14 and eight last season. So, um, it's nice to see SLU, you know, still being involved with that program. Yeah, that's, it's interesting because we haven't had a Vashon player since Dwayne Polk, correct? Well, Phil Russell, we had Phil, for Phil a year. Russell, okay. Yeah. Um, just for the year. And now, and then he went, went down to SEMO and he's, he's doing great down there. Yeah. I um, think, I think all of us were, were checking in on what Phil Russell was doing a few <laughs> months ago. Would, wouldn't mind having him, uh, you know, back up Yuri. I but, still uh, wouldn't mind having no, him. No, I, I think he'd be great on our roster right now. I wish he'd hung around, but you don't, you can't blame him for going down to SEMO and being able to, to run the show. Who's the coach over at Vashon now? It's not Floyd. Tony. Um, Tony Irons. Tony Irons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so a little uh, Davidson-esque. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about 2024? Let's look a little bit further into the future. Yeah. So we've got a bunch of new offers out in this class, and and I have to apologize on this first one because it happened back in mid-May, and I just completely missed it at the time. Christian Humphrey, he's got a hyphenated last name. I'm going to say the second half is Rem Bear. It looks like Rembert. Uh, he's, he's out of Michigan, um, and he, he attends La Lumiere, which is like a national prep powerhouse um, up in uh, northern Indiana. He plays his AAU ball for Indy Heat, which is also on the Nike EYBL. Kind of a lean 6'9 forward. Um, you know, he's playing over at, at La Lumiere for some more exposure. He's got a 7'1 wingspan, so he's got great length. He's uh, athletic. Great versatility um, at both ends, really, because he can he can switch and step out and shoot. On the other end, he can guard three positions. Uh, really nice looking player, and he's he said he wants to visit SLU soon, along with I think Pitt, Northwestern, and Cal are the other three he wants to go take a look at um, in, in the near future. So right now, his other offers are Cal, Cal Poly, UC Santa Barbara, Southern Utah, Stony Brook, and uh, NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Those. Those are his offers so far. So SLU and, and Cal are clearly the strongest ones there, but he's got a lot of really high level interest. Um, 
So it's going to be interesting to see how things develop with him. Uh, Kual Atak. Yeah, did that, I that's that? I, it's got to be close. Um, he's a six eight forward out of Haltom um, High School in, in Haltom City, Texas, and his name I think is Sudanese. And he's got that look, you know, where he's really long and lean. And and those guys younger on tend to be the kind of players who you think like, oh, they're okay, shot blocker. They're going to be a little raw. But then you watch him play and it's like, oh, he's a really good offensive player, um, confident shooter, good handles, good passing ability, sees the floor well, moves well. Um, he's just a really unique looking player uh, that, that's that's kind of fun to watch on video because you don't quite expect him. You, you know, you see just his frame and it's it's easy to stereotype sometimes like guys who, who kind of have a certain type of frame just play a certain way. And he's not that at all. Well, um, his only other offer at this point is from Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Um, but I think that's going to change pretty soon. I think he's going to, he's going to get a lot more offers. I, I didn't even get to that point in the thing. And you just said Texas, Rio Grande Valley. And I had to chuckle a little bit because like that was not a school I expected us to be like in on. So this must well, be the, one of those that I, I Phil Forte thinks is, is, uh, is a developed like it's going to develop big time. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's all over the, the Texas kids. And, and, and one thing I I'll note about all of these offers, the ones I've already mentioned, the ones we're about to mention, it does seem like we're trying to get in a little bit early on, mm -hmm. on some of these guys, either, you know, whether, if they're a 2023 or 2024 player, uh, we're trying to kind of be their best offer right now, you know, and 2025, obviously they're, they're, they're really young, but, um, it, it seems like we're trying to get in on these guys and really make inroads before they blow up. I'd be really interested to get, uh, and next time we have either Travis or Phil on, uh, I would love to, to talk to them about when you offer these kids that are in, you know, 24, 25. I mean, what happens when you offer a kid and he just like, yeah, I'm in like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah is every offer commit immediately committable yeah i mean is it like playing college hoops 2k like yeah how does that work i have no idea it's a man it's way more of an art than a science um every kid's different i think it would be the rare case where you actually get that um i think it may have happened kind of recently with a guy slew offered named brock harding who's a point guard a small point guard out of the quad cities and um slew would have on paper been his strongest offer but um but then all of a sudden he committed to iowa so i wonder if that was one of those situations where you know i would have been recruiting him for a long time but they never made that offer at least publicly and then all of a sudden he committed there and it and without you know giving like a top five or a top 10 or whatever it's my um, kind of guy yeah so i wonder if it was as soon as like that was the dream school and as soon as they did it boom he was he was there so um, I think it happens maybe a little bit, but I think most kids kind of want to wait and see what else is out there. Uh, it looks like we're also active uh, in the uh, New Jersey area still. Uh, Maurice Vassell, tell me about this kid. 6'9 forward out of St. Benedict's, uh, the Gray Bees, if you'll remember. That's where Madani Jada was from, well uh, where, where, he, where he went. Um, so, yeah, that's program up in new jersey places AU ball for riverside hawks which is an under armor um, association program he's originally from kingston jamaica living in the bronx now um long athletic skilled he's a matchup problem you know kind of like the the other two guys we just talked uh, about before 
Um, the really big upside here. And, 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 you know, SLU is not necessarily early on this one. He does have offers from Illinois, St. John's, Texas A&M, TCU, Boston College, Georgia Tech. So some big schools got some A-10 offers like Fordham, Bonaventure, LaSalle, and then a few others, um, St. Peter's, Stony Brook, Rutgers, Maryland. Some of these offers, actually a lot of them came in the spring of 2021. So I do wonder if a lot of those are stale. Um, only a few of them have actually come this year. Um, so I kind of wonder if he had one of those recruitments that was hot for a minute and kind of cooled down and, you know, some of these places have had coaching changes, but, um, but regardless, I mean, he's a really nice looking player. Um, so it's, it's, it's clear that we're going after some, some front court players in, in the, in the 2024 class. Uh, back to the, uh, the Lone Star State, Josiah Mosley. Yeah. What what do we know about uh, this young man? Yeah, he's an intriguing player. Slu is actually his first offer, um, and he and you know he's twenty twenty four, so it's it's yeah we're early, but um, and and he's arguably a late bloomer if he's getting a you know his first offer right now, but uh, it's not like he's uh, going to be a senior. He's still just going to be a junior. Um, he says he's six seven. Most other scouting services say he's six six, uh, but he plays kind of like a true four power forward. Um, he's from Stony Point High School in Round Rock, Texas. His AAU team is One Time Legends, which is Tracy McGrady's Adidas program. Um, he's just a really tough, active, uh, true power forward who who rebounds like crazy. I mean, he's just a really strong rebounder. Um, a lot of a lot of people call him undersized for a power forward, um, but he does have kind of long arms if you if you watch him, and it, he kind of has that frame that makes it look like he's probably going to grow a little bit more. Um, good hands, good touch. He really thrives in transition because he's he's pretty fast in the open court and he can handle a little bit too. And there's just there's no shortage of video of him dunking it. He's just a strong finisher. So he's kind of a, a like a workhorse type um, four. And I, I think Slu might be betting that he's going to grow a little bit more. So they're going to try and uh, get a relationship going here and hope hope he pans out. Um, looking further into the future uh let's hop in the delorean and uh gas it up to 88 miles per hour uh hudson greer uh another uh we're back in the we're still we're staying in the lone star state yeah and we're we're also kind of staying in the same position he's six seven um you know like you said he's 2025 so he's gonna be a sophomore he's young um, and he plays more of a wing forward than a, than a power forward, but he's really long. I, I would be shocked if he stops at six, seven, you can tell he's got a lot of frame to grow into. Uh, he's from Lake Travis high school in Austin, uh, places AAU ball for Southern assault, which is an Adidas three stripes program. Um, big time scorer. I mean, he scored a ton as a freshman. He's got a really natural feel for the game. Um, he, despite being so lanky, he's actually pretty smooth um with with his game he's got a patient mature game plays like you know he doesn't play like a kid who's going to be a sophomore he plays like a kid who's going to be a senior um fluid athletic um finishes defends i mean he, he does a little bit of everything um, his dad josh actually played at saint mary's um they uh you know i don't think it was an era where they were really strong but uh but he was a good three-year starter there so it's not surprising to hear that, you know, he's got a, a dad who played and probably has been working out with him because he really, he looks like he really knows what he's doing out there. Um, his only other offers right now are Texas Tech and K-State. So high level offers this early usually indicate that a guy is going to 
uh, be a big time player. And just the look of him on video, I think he's an easy four star. We're going to see him kind of in top 100, top 150 lists uh, pretty soon, I think. Um, so, you know, so a lot of these 2025 players that SLU has offered or shown interest in so far um, have, have shown up on the like the initial class rankings as like top 25, top 50 players. Um, so we're clearly good at I identifying talent. And now it's going to be a question of if we can uh, draw any of that, uh, you know, four star, high four star talent uh, to SLU. Um, speaking of uh, drawing talent to SLU uh, and people who may or may not be good at bringing that talent to SLU, uh, we have still yet to hear about an, an assistant coach to replace uh Ray Giacoletti or a director of basketball operations to replace Mike Wilson. Obviously there was talk, you know, uh, Jack LeBoyne, uh, uh, Brian Conklin was thrown out there. I know he's been Jones and hard to get into coaching and especially at St. Louis university. Uh, any, any word out there on the streets? Not really, but um, you know, the, the, instead of word on the streets, I think kind of what, what people are noticing is, is who's in the background of some of our, uh, you know, preseason workout videos. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Brandon Courtney is in a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. seems to, seems to still be hanging around. I wonder if there's a, maybe a grad assistant role, uh, there for him right now. And Christian Nunez is, is around in a lot of these videos, you know, who is the existing director of player development. Um, but it really makes you wonder if he's taking on a different role. So um, I'm not exactly saying that's, that's what's going on here, but it seems like he's definitely got a role with the team. I haven't seen as much of um, our existing grad assistants, Roby, although I know he's still around, um, you know, cause he's, he's, he's given lessons to, to youth players and stuff like that. And I haven't seen, uh, Desagua around, um, in, in, in the videos as much either, but, um, I'll yeah, pretend again, like, I don't know that his, uh, serious girlfriend just moved out of state and, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretending. I don't know that. I don't know that at all. Yeah. So, so I don't know if we're like looking at these things like the Zapruder film and reading too much into preseason hype videos. Uh, or if we're onto something here, but it's definitely uh, good fodder for the off season, I think, to kind of to look at these and 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 want speculate what might be going on. Uh, we had some good uh, some good interaction on Twitter today with a, a poll we put out there. Um, Pete, uh, the genesis of this tweet was what? Penn State announced that they were doing what they called a reseeding, um, and that's R-E-S-E-A-T-I-N-G, um, of their arena, which is to say they're moving uh, who sits where to put the students along the sideline as opposed to the end, um, which will naturally displace, you know, season ticket holders and whoever had, uh, whoever else had tickets in those, in those good sections. Um, and they think that'll kind of create more of an environment. I think it kind of makes sense for a program like Penn State that, you know, it's a football school. They've never really been great at basketball, or at least not in my lifetime, it feels like. Um, and to maybe draw a little more energy for a, a school that's huge, that shouldn't have too much trouble getting at least some students out to the game, enough to fill a few sections in the 100s. And, um, you know, a school where maybe, 
maybe the alums won't be as upset to be moved um you know because it's not like it's their football tickets or something like that so i think it might make sense at a place like penn state and uh i think you were wondering maybe would was is that something we could look at in shafitz hey that's that i think that's been on my mind since even before shafitz was built uh i thought it would be an interesting idea um the results of the poll were were i found them interesting uh we've got 53.5 percent yes 46.5% 46.5% no. Uh, now, Pete, let's go. I'm going to I'm gonna have you give uh, – Pete, I, w- I want to come up with a fun way to do this. It feels like <laughs> – like should we, should we read the response and kind of debunk that? Like we can do it both sides. We can play devil's advocate on everybody's opinion, right? So first one is what? First reason for yes. So the first reason that we got for yes was uh, his, the, the quote was, I believe the relocation behind the benches would result in increased student involvement. Pretty straightforward. Right. So what we're saying is the marketing, uh, the marketing as you're sitting right courtside in seats that on the other side cost an arm and a leg uh, and you would get a much better view uh, you know, students would be closer together. Um, you know, maybe they're, uh, you know, you have a, give a better experience for students. Students are more likely to show up to the game. Is that how you read it? Yeah, it seems like it. Um, you, you know, it's, it's one thing to go, uh, to knowing that you're sitting on plastic bleachers at the end. And it's another to, to, to know that you might have a, a cushy seat on the sideline. <laughs> well, hold on. Now, I, my vision for this is that they replace those seats. So they would actually change the seating type. Correct. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, but, I, you know, it, it's it's a chicken. I think on a few of these, they, there's chicken of the egg. And we put it on mm-hmm. Twitter. And that, uh, you know, do we need the students to come out before we do this, right? Um, and I don't know because when you look at the amount of seats behind the benches and behind press row it's 160 in the navy blue section for the first five rows add on if you increase that to the royal blue on the ends of that part it's probably 220 i didn't care to count individual seats because the navy i could just do math but so you're looking at about 220. So right now the student section holds a thousand, right? That I believe that's what it's advertised as. Um, so you would okay. you would theoretically not need as many students to fill that section. Um, uh, and then uh, the next yes reason. So the next yes we got was, um, I'm an out of town alum and fan. I'm so tired and embarrassed when I have friends over from watching a bunch of empty seats on TV behind the bench. These seats are probably corporate or generational uh, that have low intensity fans. So so he's saying basically they're corporate seats that companies buy up as season tickets, give them away um, to either employees or, um, you know, customers or vendors or whatever. And you wind up with a lot of no-shows. And uh, yeah, just uh, it's not a great look when the camera's panning back and forth and you've got all those empty navy blue seats behind the coaches. 
Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, and we'll, we'll actually get to the, the rebuttal of this argument uh, or opinion uh, in the nose. And with that being said, uh, no, the first reason for no would be what? I would if our student section attendance was more consistent. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. I think that uh, student section attendance is, you know, um, it, it, it goes with the wins and losses, it feels like. It always feels like we'll win a game uh, or we'll go on a bit of a run. We'll start getting big time numbers in and then we'll lose a game and then they, they're, they're very fickle. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's just my, my thought on, on why student attendance isn't as consistent. Uh, and, and that, and maybe that goes to, you know, it, maybe it goes to the experience, right? Sitting on the end, not as exciting as saying sitting in the first five rows. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, second reason. The second no is I'm all for it in theory uh, because the students are the ones who create the atmosphere and deserve the best seats, but I'm not sure I'm for it in terms of execution, given the uh, given Chaffetz and our student body. Uh, Pete, what do you think about that one? Um, so I, I think that's that's fair. I think it's a fair argument. It's kind of it kind of builds on the first one, saying that the right. students um, are are relatively inconsistent. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the point is, given Chaffetz. I don't know if they're saying like just I think they're the nature of the venue itself. Um, that that's a, that's a very good point. I mean, is there a way that you know instead of replacing the seats, uh, you would just because those are roll roll you can roll those up and back. So mm-hmm. I mean, there is a way where if you added some seats that you could roll in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would, but then you would have to give up. You would automatically have to expand it all the way across because you cannot, um, you can't just move. I don't think you can move just the mid ones back the middle. You might be able to, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Just if, but I don't know how many rows it is. Yes. Right. You know, because they, they're able to move those back for other events. Um, you know, like I, I concerts where they want to open up more floor right. or anything that where they have to put out ice uh graduation i know they, they moved some of those back but um but yeah I, I don't i don't know how many rows you can actually move back yeah uh well i just clicked the picture and uh yeah it's cool i just lost the picture that i was showing but i know that the first five <laughs> rows are the uh the high roller seats. okay um and then uh go ahead and uh talk about the the next one yeah, so um, the next one is keep the few students we have together behind the basket. I, I, feel, I feel like this this idea that we don't have the few students, like everyone always kind of feels like they exaggerate how bad student attendance I, is. Yeah, I think um, I wonder if a lot of these are coming from like season ticket holders who see all of like, you know, students don't show up that much when we're playing, um, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff or somebody like University that. of Texas don't Rio have Grand the, Valley. Yeah, yeah. UTRGV, the Vaqueros are not going to fill the student section. They're just not. And then, I mean, naturally, you're also going to have there's winter break games. You know, there's there's hol- you know, there's other holiday or long weekend games um, that they don't necessarily. You know, there's only so many games that they're going to come out in full force, I, I, which I understand. You know, they're like I have some level of understanding for that. 
Um, but seeing the few students we have, I think makes things sound probably worse than they are. Yeah, I think unless you want to say, unless they're actually talking about few students as in total enrollment, hmm. because that, that, I mean, that is kind of an issue. Uh, because I mean, like you look at what's our, what is the enrollment? It's not a lot. SLU's about 8,000 undergrad. So, um, and then it's, you know, 12 or 13 when you include the, the grad professional schools. So you're which, sitting at you. So you're trying to get an eighth of the student body out to a game. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, I understand like, and we, and we talked about this on our, on our, um, you know, SLU, uh, round, round table. Yeah. The, yeah. The sluts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I always forget what the words are though for it. Think tank, the, the, the SLU Twitter think tank. We talked about how culture is a really hard thing to build and SLU just hasn't had that sustained culture. We've changed conferences, we've changed uh, arenas, probably more than most schools. Um, we finally have the ability to, to, to really build on that. And I, I think we're getting there, we're getting closer and closer. It just, it takes so much time to build uh, culture. And and that's that's just something I think we've come a long way since I've been there. Look, I know it's been over 15 years now since I've been there, but um, but having a, an on-campus arena and a team that's at least pretty good, competitive every every year lately has made a big difference. Um, so we uh, that's the number one thing you just have, you have to keep building on. This next one's interesting, and I want to talk about the base premise of this one once you uh, uh, read it out. All right, so this one is no, we have... Okay, we have to bribe the students with food and gifts to get decent turnouts. Selfishly, I've been a loyal fan for years and paid thousands of dollars to sit in my seats. And now I would just give those up to sit in a lesser locations just so the students can have my seat and then not show up half the time. Nah. All right. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will, uh, I will refrain from doxing uh, this individual. Yeah, everybody's anonymous. Yeah. So, uh, I look at like like every team in in sports does giveaways. Every team. It mm -hmm. does not matter if you're Cardinals or you're the Mariners or you're the you know the the Lakers or uh, who's the the Charlotte Bobcats. I don't know. They're not even around anymore. But what that, you get my point. I I, th I don't think I th I don't think people who who use this understand that this happens everywhere everybody is offering students something to come to games it's not it's not just exclusive to SLU because our students are lame as hell yeah so i think this is one that you can if you had a student body that comes out more consistently like um quite frankly and i hate to say it dayton does draw more students to their home games yeah i mean and, and look there i don't think it's true about every home or about every uh, conference team um, in the A10, you know, some I think some are a little more consistent than we are, um, but but not everyone is. Uh, they still give their students stuff. There are sweeteners, there are incentives, there are. Um, it, it's I think the difference is when you have students that come out more consistently, it almost feels like reward. Um, you know, like like we're we're just maintaining that momentum, and whereas when you don't have students who come out as consistently, it seems like, you know, we're like a carrot stick kind of thing. Like we're dangling uh, a, 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 an incentive. Um, so I, I think, the, you know, it's pretty easy to spin the mentality of what it is based on how they're, they're, they're turning out. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. But but I mean, I think there's something else in there that's important mm -hmm. because I don't think this would be the only season ticket holder to say, I've been a loyal, loyal season ticket holder for a long time and I spend a lot of money on these tickets. And if I have to move, I'm not going to be happy. Okay, so fair enough. Uh, if it's a complete reseeding of the arena, right? Because that's what Penn State is doing. So let's say you... Uh, take away the five rows on the sideline across from the hard camera. Uh, you then move them five rows back on the, uh, above the five row, like you do the first ten rows on the hard camera side. So you not only you that person is not only losing their or not going to have to switch seats, but so is the corporation, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's yeah. I mean, you're going to have move, move the corporations back to the next five, right? If, if a season ticket holder, you know, wants to, if a season ticket, if there's an, a, an individual person, you could, you should separate, you know, say the, the personal season tickets from the corporate season tickets, right? Let the personal season ticket holders see if they can't snag seat in the first five rows on the other side, then offer the the next five rows the corporate people that were displaced from that left side or do a lottery based on ticket usage yeah you know maybe you get yeah i mean everything's electronic they know how many exactly they know who's showing up and who's not right exactly um let's let's talk about tact in this next one pete yeah so um so, okay, so this guy says, I think it would help the student support, but I think it would make the Fats, Chaffetz Arena, look tackier. Um, and he goes on a little bit to kind of explain, like, he just doesn't think it's aesthetically a good look. Um, and so uh, he, he finishes with, and while I'll say it would, it would help in student support, I don't trust our students' involvement enough to make it worth it. So I think for him, the biggest diversion is um, aesthetics. It, like if all of a sudden we had six rows of bleachers all the way across one side or something, does that look dumb? Um, especially if it's not full every game. Yeah, I, I think, I think again, it goes back to my point a little bit earlier about it being only 160 seats that are being displaced. I, I mean, I would venture to say that we'd get 160 students uh, per game on non break games yeah yeah I, yeah you know and if you and you're at the end of this i'm at the once we go through all these i'm gonna give my opinion and i think there's a there's a nice um there, there's a there's an alternative i want to present at the end um mm. but yeah i i i get the aesthetic point uh, i think if it is full it looks a lot better uh that, that but being empty is certainly an issue there and yeah. it would be a massive issue for at least two games a year. Um, whether or not the, the cost benefit of, of deciding whether those two games you care or not. They're also right. not really the most televised games, those two games a year usually. Also true. So, um, that kind of privilege is, let's talk about privilege, huh? Yeah, that kind of privilege is earned um, is, is this argument, which I think again goes to um, the student, they just don't think the students come out enough already to have justified this upgrade. 
Uh, and then uh, the the probably the main reason why SLU will never do this. Yeah, and I saw a lot. I, I saw several replies, uh, both on the forum and and to us. Um, those basically along the lines of those corporate seats are expensive, and that amounts to you know substantial revenue for SLU. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, my only retort, and I said it already today. Uh, my guess is they would pay for those seats. You know, my guess is not only are they corporate seats, but a lot of them are probably part of sponsorship packages. Mm. So if, you know, if you made that first 10 rows instead of five on the other side, um, all inclusive, I don't think you would see much of a drop off as far as the sponsorship goes. Corporate tickets, that'd be interesting. But again, the no-show rate is so insane that how many of them would really know a difference? Except you've right. got a couple people that get them all the time. Yeah, right. Um, Pete, I'll get yours first because I'm sure I'll go on a long-winded ramble. Yeah. So my my initial reaction to this, um, and and I will I will admit I'm I'm squishy on this, right? Like I I could be persuaded one way or the other if 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 I had more information, more data. How many seats are sold? What's the no-show rate? Um, how many seats are sold in the 100s in general? Can people be moved within a reason? How much revenue would we be giving up? I mean, you know, it's not like the seats are leaving the arena altogether. So there, there is more information gathering I would want to do. My initial reaction is no, um, I wouldn't do it yet because I just, I don't think I trust the students enough at this point. Um, maybe that could change over time. Uh, I think there might be, you know, I, I, I part of the reason the numbers would be so interesting to me is because I wonder how many things have changed over the COVID years. Um, I know that most schools have had, you know, seasons where a big numbers of season ticket holders suspended their season tickets for a season. Um, some people gave them up altogether and, and are, are either coming back or not. So there, there, I think there is an, maybe that happened in a big number in Penn State and maybe they saw that as an opportunity, like, hey, we can, we, we have enough room here to make this work. Um, I, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I mean, that, that could be a possibility at a lot of schools that, that COVID is an opportunity to, to reseat your arena. Um, so I, I still don't think that the trade-off is necessarily worth it. I, <laughs> part of it, it's it's interesting that the argument against you know because we're sick of seeing empty seats behind the benches and the argument is we're afraid we're going to see empty seats behind the benches you know like it, it does seem <laughs> like like more worth it to try something different that might actually fill those seats rather than just accept yeah they're empty but we make pretty good money off of them you know i i just i i agree that there's got to be a way to fill those um the unfortunate thing here is it's not like student demand and, um, you know, season ticket holders slash general public demand uh, are inverted, uh, you know, are inverse, re inversely related, inverse relationship, whatever. Um, demand is generally going to rise and fall at the same rate between them, right? Is slew good? Are we playing an interesting opponent? Uh, it's, it's the same factors that draw both students and um, 
and the other people who are going to buy tickets to games. So, uh, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that there's not like a, a weird market dynamic that you can take advantage of there. So, um, so right now I'm a no, but I will admit to being a pretty soft no. And, and so, so, so what do you, what do you think here? I mean, you're the one who got this whole thing going and I'm really curious to, to hear. You're going to be really surprised because I just decided, um, I will say this. I am a no. Uh, I am, however, saying that all things being equal, it actually makes more sense for the student section to be the first five rows along the base or along the sideline because of the fact that you're decreasing the amount of area uh, for which you need to fill uh, based on what we've seen as the demand for most games in that 160 seats is easily filled by giving by doing a giveaway every game easily, except for break, obviously. Um, what I will say is I'm not sure that the way Chaffetz is set up and how much of a multi-purpose facility it is it really works out that way or that well for it. I think the guy who says it looks tacky is probably on the right track, but a little bit maybe wonky on it. Um, I think I, what I would like to see here is my alternative. I think that our student section is too damn big. Like I said earlier, we need one in eight students to attend a game to fill the thousand seat student section i would cut that down to 250 to 500 base level and i would make it so that you for every game you have to go you have to register for your ticket right you can do it online you can maybe do it at the shape it's one i don't know and then 48 hours prior to the game take a look at the numbers you decide what uh, seats, how many seats you think are going to be filled for that game, and then you sell the rest of those seats to uh, as as reserved bleacher seats. Put numbers on the seats. You sell them for five dollars a piece. Forty-eight hours out, you just run that promotion for the games that aren't going to be that well attended by students. That's my. That's what I think they should do. Um, because I, I do think the student section is way too damn big. So, um, I think a flex capacity student section on the end is, yeah. is the right move. So a few, a few other points there. Um, the band, I guess, stays put where it is. Who sits next to the band? Do you put seats there or do you leave that for the rest of the students? It's like for overflow. Are you talking up top, up above the band? Or just right next to them. Yeah, no, no, no. That's the student section still. Okay, that's also student but it's, section. No, so the whole th that whole uh, that whole area is used for student section, right? But you you have a removable barricade that or whatever you want to call it that says no student seating behind this point, right? Gotcha. So that that way, because the problem is that. Quite often, when we don't fill the student section, students don't automatically make their yeah. way and just fill in. Yeah, right? they spread out. Yeah, so I think that kills the atmosphere. 
I would uh, I would really appreciate not seeing uh, the athletes sit there on the the athlete uh, appreciation night or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, because they just they unfor- they don't bring the atmosphere. I'm sorry, like they just don't. It is what it is. Uh, on the whole, I should say, not you know, is a general broad generalization. They don't. Uh, but yeah, I would say a, a move, make it flexible. So, you know, you sell the tickets. The, say, say you get 400 students sign up for tickets. So now you've got, you know, you need 500 space for 500 students. You can set a barricade, you know, at 500 or 600, mm-hmm. and, and that way you can kind of condense that student section. They make a little more noise. They all follow the lead of the uh, the people that generally lead the chants, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's that's where I would get rid of that stupid freaking wedge too. I hate that damn thing. <laughs> I hate it. It is pointless. Just put seats all the way across there. But um, you know, I did think of something else too. Though the seats that would be replaced on the sideline i think those are wider chairs and wider armrests so i don't think it's a true one-to-one seat uh, replacement enough. Enough. if but you're putting bleachers still, in you could so no i guess what i'm saying is you would have more people like yeah. if that's say that's 100 and if, if your numbers are right that's 160 chairs mm-hmm. that should be more like 200 bleacher seats or something yeah like so yeah. so just, maybe it's just, 220 just, just maybe 220 thought. even yeah. Um, so, man, my numbers may have been uh, decently accurate either way. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a great it's a great debate. I'm really happy that you know people weighed in on it, and uh, you know I did get a little mad online uh, at, at points <laughs> reading some responses uh, because I generally like to think I know things. Um, and uh, it. It is an interesting subject, though. I mean, you know, we, we, we should always be looking to improve no matter no matter what that means. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and, I, I, and looking at the cost benefit of that. And uh, I, yeah, I, I do. I do like this, this subject. I think uh, I think the I, I I really do like my idea of a flexible student section, even though it, yeah. it is my idea. Like, I, I just think that it would it would increase the atmosphere anything to increase the atmosphere i really even if we can't increase student attendance let's increase the atmosphere right um, and, and and by doing that you don't displace season ticket holders you might even be able to you know uh, uh you know paper the town with the free tickets to the extra seats too mm-hmm. you know that's one thing you could do as well instead of giving away reserve seats up in the uh up in the rafters so you get people closer uh, a better view um, that and can we please stop throwing the uh, the souvenir balls to like the people down low can we launch them further because those are the people you want to keep <laughs> interested uh, anyway um, I, great dis- I, I really enjoy I do really enjoy that that discussion yeah. and kind of I'm always thinking of uh, out there ideas so um before we move on i do have one i want to circle back on one other uh note speaking of arenas belk arena so it's named after john c belk um but that does not appear to be a well like a a true like naming sorry it's john m belk um john c is another guy 
Yeah. Yeah. John M. Belk Arena is technically the name. So it's not like the Belk company. Yeah. But as far as I can tell, that is John M. Belk who ran that company. Like he's part of, I think he was the founder's son, if I have the, uh, the history correct. Um, uh, because Belk Incorporated was founded in uh, North Carolina in the late 1800s. So, um, so it's, it's not the company necessarily, but it's the guy. So uh, just, just so we don't get notes. Uh, let's talk about sports in which we lead the nation in attendance. Men's soccer uh, schedule was released, uh, Pete. It, again, like I said earlier, gauntlet schedules. It really is. I mean, we talked about women's soccer last time, and they like like we said last time. It was it was great. I mean, there's there's no there's no real off nights on their schedule. They 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 have to bring it every game, and I think the men's schedule is pretty much right up there too. I mean, their first three non conference games are against teams that played in the last season's NCAA tournament. They start on the road at Louisville, uh, then Lipscomb comes to SLU, and then they head to Creighton and their beautiful soccer stadium. So that's three uh, tournament teams right out of the gate. Uh, yeah, I, 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 may, I may have to make the Creighton trip. Uh, I haven't yeah. been to Omaha in a long time, and I, I, I'd love to see a game I there. I need to get back to that. Uh, the bronze boot game. We have some unfortunate news. Uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of annoyed by it. This is one where, you know, we tweeted it out and, and we talked on it on, talked about it on a previous show and, and thought um, that everything was pretty solid, that this game would be kind of the first big game at Centene stadium. Um, the new MLS stadium in St. Louis, but that's not happening. And uh, we don't have a good reason why, Um just that the game will now be at SIUE and and not at Centene. So unfortunate for the the local soccer community that they're uh, that they're not gonna um, get that experience there. I mean, there's there's been some speculation that maybe um, maybe there was a snag and not everything in the stadium will be ready in time. There was some speculation that they want their um, their lower level team, um, St. Louis City Two or whatever they they call the the uh, the farm club um, that they want them to be the first game. Um, I, I don't know what the reason is. And and because they I guess they never really put out an official announcement that the game was going to be there, it just kind of leaked. Um, they don't really have to give a rebuttal or a reason why not. But it's uh, I think it's a loss for the soccer community. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't. This seems like one of those things where they were like, maybe we should not do that and have our own little uh have our own team play the first game there which which stinks um let's talk about the uh the non-conference schedule yeah so the other non-conference home games um coming to SLU uh so we've got UIC SMU Marquette and then IUPUI comes to SLU actually kind of in the middle of the A10 uh conference season um one of the last home games of the year um, so again, great competition. UIC gave SLU fits last year. I think yeah. that was a tie, if I remember correctly. It, it and was. I think it was. Uh, and a lucky UIC, one at that. Yeah, it, it really was. UIC, of course, has a historically good program, and uh, yeah, uh, was uh, where Jay Demerit played his. Yeah. His college soccer. We played up there, so they're coming back, and then we played down at SMU last year, so they're coming here. SMU is always a strong soccer program. Um, you know, Marquette is another one always solid. 
Um, so, so a lot of good, uh, a lot of good stuff there too. Um, there will be an exhibition at Missouri state on August 14th. And then the first home appearance will be against Omaha on August 20th. Yeah. And it's, it's worth remembering that Missouri state was outstanding last year. They were 10 and 0 in conference, uh, to win the Valley. And then they were 17 and two overall. They are, they're, they're a great team. Uh, and I believe uh, the Mavericks of University of Omaha are no longer coached by uh, the former Billiken, whose name escapes me now, that uh, he's no longer the head coach there and it's not on the roster. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they have an interim head coach for this season, it looks like. Huh. Was that uh, Bob Bob Warming? Was he no, the coach there? No, it was um, – one second. Uh, it was, yes, it was Bob Warming, but yeah, yeah, but, okay. So he still is the coach there, I believe. It says they had an interim coach this last year or this huh. coming year, uh, but before that, it was uh, it was somebody else though. It was a former Billiken. Well, Warming did coach at SLU from '97 right. to, no. to '01. Yeah, no, I remember that. That it, um, was it, has it really been Bob Warming this whole time? Oh my God! I thought it was <laughs> oh no, uh, uh, J- Jason Mims. Yeah, Jason right, Mims. Jason Mims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what was that? Yeah, so he so he graduated from SLU back in '99. Um, right, but I'm not even seeing Jason Mims on staff as of like, or maybe it's not even. Well, I think um, so. Warming took over for him like four years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then okay, yeah, yeah. Mims has been coaching in in club soccer ever since. Oh, okay, so he went yeah. to Kalish. He did the Kalish move. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, talk about the A10 schedule. So the A10 schedule um, is actually kind of a tough one for SLU. Not quite to the level of the you know what like what they gave us home and home and uh, basketball, but you know it's 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 interesting because you really you don't play the whole conference. You get eight, eight, 10 games, four on the road and four at home. So you don't play every team. Um, SLU this year will get the teams that, that finished second through fifth behind them in conference last year. So they're really playing what feels like, you know, the top third, top half of the conference um, for, for half of those games. So they've got VCU, Loyola, George Washington, and St. Joe's at home. They will travel to LaSalle, Rhode Island, Fordham, and Dayton. Um, so, so you know, like I said before, it's a, it's a pretty tough conference slate given that, given that reality. And then the other factor here is that Loyola, um, obviously not in conference last season, but they finished second in the Valley behind that outstanding Missouri State team last year. Um, so this does feel like a, like a pretty tough um, overall conference schedule. Yeah, a lot of roster turnover on this Billiken team, and, and they're yeah. going to have to put it together real quick uh, in this non-conference schedule. Obviously, uh, the the end goal is always to win the A-10, uh, but, but what do you think going into the season with the amount of roster turnover and the gauntlet schedule? Well, I mean, you know, we talked to Kalish, and, and, and we talked to each other a lot last year about this, this team's, uh, you know, they were – coming into the season and during the season, they always touted their depth. So even though we had those kind of stars and all those draft picks uh, in the MLS super draft, um, you know, by the end of the year, Kalish always talked about how he, he had a full 10 V 10, you know, great 
scrimmage you know like the ability to really scrimmage within their own squad and not have a huge drop off so i think he's always seen it as kind of next man up and and he's had he had a lot of guys leave early um and unfortunately a couple transfers as well but i think they're fairly confident they're going to be favored to win this league again uh with what they have and what they're bringing in um, this should, I don't, I would be shocked if, if they were as good as they were last year, but I think the idea here is, uh, to put themselves not only in the position to win the conference, but if they don't win the conference tournament to, to, to be in the mix for an at-large bid. And I think this, um, this is the kind of schedule that's going to do that for them. Yeah. It's hard in the A-10 to get that at-large bid, but I think the Billikens are certainly, uh, historically anyway, um, in good position to do so uh oh moving over to volleyball something we have not talked a lot about and maybe because we haven't talked about it we haven't yet talked about this news yeah so volleyball is going to be um hosting the a10 tournament at um Fitz pavilion um this season it's november 18th to 20th um like zach said this is not exactly breaking news but uh it's just it's just something we haven't talked about yet and seems like kind of a big deal to be hosting a conference tournament so zach i gotta ask you what's your what's your updated prognostication for who's expected finish in volleyball this upcoming season and does the fact that the schedule hasn't been released yet even make a difference uh no it does not make a difference whatsoever this is a four-team league now it was a three-team league last year uh adding loyola in uh, is essentially akin to like adding xavier back to the conference in volleyball uh, maybe a little less because of, I mean, Xavier is always really, really good at volleyball. Uh, but the, the Missouri Valley is, is, is on par with the A-10 in volleyball, or better. Uh, we always seem to struggle with some of these Missouri Valley teams in the non-conference schedule. Um, I think what you're looking at is uh, Dayton, the favorite to win. Uh, I think Loyola would probably be second. And then VCU and SLU fighting it out for third and fourth. And then whatever mm. pile of shit the rest of the conference does is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, SLU's been, uh, it seems like, pretty consistently that third team. Uh, kind of a distant third behind Dayton and VCU, but kind of a distant third above the rest of the conference as well. It's, it's like a, an ice cream sandwich of, of annoyance. <laughs> Uh, it, I mean, like, it's I could coach this team to a third place finish. Anybody could. You give me that talent. I don't know shit about volleyball. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I don't. I don't get it. Um, whatever. I'm surprised you have any thoughts on this. That that was really uh, unexpected. I know. I know. <laughs> Imagine that, uh, Pete. Uh, 255 SLU athletes were named to the A-10 honor roll this year, uh, just four shy of the school record of 259. Uh, to make the conference honor roll, they need a GPA of 3.0 or better, uh, which is much better than I ever did. Uh, 183 of SLU's 255 had a 3.5 or better, uh, which is a GPA I never achieved at any point at SLU. Uh, and 31 of them had a perfect 4.0 this year. Uh, Peter, let's go ahead and name all of them in alphabetical order. 
Yeah, I just took a big, uh, big drink of water for this. Uh, yeah, here we go. Ahmed, Firol, <laughs> <laughs> Alvarez, Chris. <laughs> uh, I, I'm obviously kidding, but uh, yeah, congratulations yeah. to the uh, 255 uh, SLU athletes that did much better in the classroom than than myself. Yeah, that's really impressive. I mean, if their all-time record is 259, um, they 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 basically matched that this year. So that's. Uh, that's pretty great. So way, way to get it done in the classroom. Who's your favorite Billiken basketball player to make the A-10 honor roll? Mm. Favorite to make it? Are you? I, I mean. Are you yeah. saying favorite to make who, who made it this past season? No, or, or favorite to make it time. again this year? All time. Just who's oh, your favorite wow. Billiken? I mean, it's Paul Eckerly. That's the only one I know for sure. 100% made the A-10 honor roll. It's the only yeah. one I could guess. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that's fair to say. In 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 my era, we had Ross Varner who graduated with a perfect 4-0. Uh, he was a really impressive guy. He spoke four languages, and when he graduated, he had a, a company already lined up uh, who wanted him to work for them, and they were going to pay his way to either Harvard or Stanford for his MBA, and he got into both. Uh, because those are the two schools he applied to and got into, and he wound up going to Stanford. And I, I haven't kept up with him. I don't know what he's up to these days, but I remember like when he graduated, it was kind of like, gonna have a pretty good life here, buddy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he, he was the guy in my era that was just an incredible student. Uh, Ross Varner, uh, risk finance data operations leader. Uh, he's in uh, Lehigh, Utah. Yeah, where he's from. He's from Holiday, Utah. It so. looks like it's Zion's Bancorp. Okay, yeah, I don't know if that's the same company or not. Are you looking at his LinkedIn or something? Yes, I am. He's been there <laughs> for 13 years and two months. Okay, so not the whole time. Before that, I can't believe we're going down Ross Varner's <laughs> uh, LinkedIn. Uh, no, he, uh, yeah, wow. Good Lord. Yeah. Oh, wait. He started so, so, at BYU. Too. Yeah. Well, it looks like he went to uh, to the Wharton School after BYU. Uh, okay. So maybe he didn't no, wind I, up going to school. No, that was later. That was 2018. Yeah. So okay, got it. So so maybe he did wind up going to BYU after all. <laughs> at the time, I remember him saying he had gotten into Harvard and Stanford, and that uh, and that somebody was going to pay for it. It was just kind of like what okay, an wow, absolute buddy. flex. But yeah, I mean, like, well, also what a good, uh, what a good Mormon too to go to BYU instead of Harvard or Stanford. I mean, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty amazing. I now uh, know who I want next on the podcast. He, I, I, I bet he would do it. He, he's the nicest guy in the world, man. Such a good dude. Oh, I, I believe that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm outing him as a 4-0 student um, on, on, a, on a team where I think he was one of a kind. Um, well, Pete... Uh, this was kind of a fun, free-flowing episode, it felt like. Uh, but it wraps up the last two weeks that were in Billiken Athletics. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at MidtownMadPod, at Peter is a tweeter, at ZachMillerMNP, and on Instagram at MidtownMadPod. Uh, we always appreciate any, any suggestions you may have for the show, so drop us a DM if you have anything you think we could be doing better or worse. Uh, <laughs> Please go subscribe to the show on all platforms. Uh, if you haven't left a review, please do so. Drop us five stars. Uh, and, and, you know, if you got constructive criticism in that review, that's great too. Uh, but 
keep it five stars. Uh, as always, Pete, go Bills. Go Bills. Bills.